This is Health Dose, a conversational podcast that focuses on issues surrounding your health. I'm Jerry O'Donnell. Today we're talking about infertility. Nicole Vandeveld, MD, specializes in obstetrics and gynecology. Dr. Vandeveld sees patients at MidMichigan Obstetrics and Gynecology on Wackerly in Midland. Her special interests include infertility evaluation and treatment, contraception, minimally invasive surgery, including robotic surgery, postpartum mood disorders, and breastfeeding. Health Dose asked Dr. Vandeveld, what is defined as infertility? So it's defined as trying to get pregnant for 12 months if you're younger than 35 and you're not pregnant. If you're older than 35, between 35 and 40, if you've been trying for six months and unsuccessful to get pregnant, that's when it's called infertility. Why is the difference in six months between somebody who's under that age and somebody that's over that age? Yeah, and that's a good question. So for women, their fertility decreases with age, specifically age 32, age 37. It just gets harder because they don't produce as many eggs or as quality of eggs that they did when they were younger. So it's a matter of as you get older, it takes less failed opportunities for it to be considered infertility because the pressure's on? Correct, exactly. Clearly, couples feel pressure to have children if they're trying to have kids. It can be very stressful. Right, And so we would like to intervene earlier in those people that are specifically older than 35, just so we can get them the resources that they need. There's got to be a myriad of things that can go wrong when you're trying to get pregnant, but what are the major causes of infertility? Yeah, so for women, it's most likely ovulatory. That's the number one. So either not releasing an egg when they should or not releasing kind of like a higher quality egg. Other causes of it would be like um, structural malformation. So issues with the uterus itself, whether there's a fibroid or a polyp or something in there that's you know inhibiting pregnancy or something with the fallopian tube so that the egg or the sperm just can't meet in the right spot. Mm-hmm. It's not equal for men and women. They see infertility for different reasons for very, in very different ways. Yeah. So we actually used to think that men, it affected them about one third of the time and women two thirds, but actually newer research shows that it's 50, 50. So it affects men and women equally. Really? Mm -hmm. Why does it take longer for some women to get pregnant? Yeah, so it depends on a lot of factors. Some women, depending on their age, depending on their history, if they have diabetes or other comorbidities, it can be sometimes a little bit more difficult. And it just depends on their lifestyle too. So some in same-sex marriages, obviously, you know, they would need to see a doctor right away mm-hmm. versus someone in more of a traditional relationship. Mm-hmm. And actually 30% of couples have unknown infertility. So they do, we do all the tests, everything is normal, and we still can't figure out why they're not able to get pregnant. And that's just the ones who have gone through the process of actually trying to figure out why they're having problems getting pregnant. Exactly. What about birth control? Does using birth control early in life affect your fertility ongoing even after you've taken the birth control out of the equation? No, it does not. So none of the birth controls will prevent you from getting pregnant later on. They're all safe to use. Depo-Provera or the Depo shot can linger in your system for up to a year and a half after you stop using it. So that's the only birth control that does have some lingering effects, but long-term no effects at inhibiting pregnancy. But in that case, it's really just the the birth control device working longer than it might be convenient. Correct. It's not a matter of it affecting your fertility long. Correct. And it doesn't matter whether you're on the pill, you're getting injections, an implant. It doesn't matter the method of birth control? It doesn't. Nope. And as soon as you stop the birth control, you should be able to get pregnant, ovulate right away. What's the difference between a prenatal vitamin and a regular vitamin? 
And when do you recommend that your patients use one or the other or both? So with prenatal vitamins, they contain folic acid and some regular vitamins do, but for prenatals, they always contain folic acid. And that's the um, nutrient that's important for the fetal brain and the fetal spine. So we want to make sure you have that. Generally, I recommend three months before you're trying to get pregnant that you start on those prenatal vitamins and then continue it throughout pregnancy. And is that really the only difference is the folic acid amount? Is, is that the key thing that you're worried about as a physician? Yep, that is the key thing. And you need to build that up actually before you try to get pregnant? Well, the thought is a lot of women, 50% don't even, aren't planned pregnancies. And so you, they may not even know that they're pregnant. And the folic acid is the most important in the first, I would say, eight weeks of the pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And that's when the brain and the, and the spinal cord are really developing. At what point does a person need to, or a couple need to contact their OBGYN about fertility concerns? You know, if you've been trying for more than a year and you're younger than 35, I would definitely recommend you reach out. Again, older than 35, trying for six months, or if you're older than 40 and even thinking about wanting to get pregnant, I'd reach out. Otherwise, if you're having irregular periods, that would be a good reason to contact us. Or if you have any chronic medical conditions, specifically like epilepsy, diabetes, hypertension, things like that, that we may need to alter your medications to put you on safer medications during pregnancy. We usually like to do that before you get pregnant. It doesn't sound like that's a matter of improving your fertility as much as it is just improving the overall condition of the the mother that's about to become pregnant. Right, right. So we really want to optimize those conditions before you get pregnant and put you on safe, healthy medications that you Mm -hmm. can use in pregnancy. So a couple or an individual comes into you expressing concerns about fertility What's the first thing you do? Yeah, so the first thing is is history. So history is really important, knowing your medical history, surgical history, and specifically menstrual history. We can learn a lot from someone's menstrual history, when they started having periods, how often they have them, if they're painful, things like that. And then a physical exam, of course. And then there's some labs that we can check. So we can check some labs to look for basically like the number of eggs you left have left. That kind of tells us based on your age. We can also do tests to see if you're ovulating appropriately. And then there's other tests where we can look at, you do an ultrasound to look at your uterus, make sure your uterus looks normal, your ovaries look normal. And then depending on your history, we may do some special tests to look and see if your fallopian tubes are open. So that is called an HSG. We can do that in the hospital. And we also have FemView, which we can do in the office. So it's kind of a convenient way for patients to know if their fallopian tubes are open or not. When you said you can tell how many eggs they have left, help me out in case I have a misconception. A woman has as many eggs as she's going to have from the get-go, right? Yeah, from when she's born. And so they slowly, over time, you get less and less as a woman ages. And so there's a a blood test called AMH, anti-malarian hormone, and that can kind of tell us the quality or the, the amount that they have. And mm-hmm. if it's below a certain threshold, that's when we would be more aggressive with fertility treatments or maybe even send you right away to the reproductive endocrinologist to talk about IVF and things like that. What's the purpose of a home ovulation kit? Is that just so a person doesn't need to come in to see you every couple of days to see where they are? So they can be helpful. Some people like doing them. Generally, you know, we say a woman has a 28-day menstrual cycle. Mm-hmm. So they ovulate on average on day 14. So I recommend they start those home ovulation tests on day 10, around the same time every day, usually around like 2 to 4 p.m., I would say. And that just kind of helps them to determine if they're ovulating and when. Mm -hmm. And then it's important to time intercourse around those times. So generally, if you're having intercourse two to three times a week, you're probably doing it right. If you're someone, your schedules are busy, you can't always 
time it perfectly. Generally, we want you to start having intercourse like day 12, day 14, and the day you ovulate or the next day. Is it like the three-day window or something around that yeah. 14th day? Yeah, so there's actually a five-day window. Five-day window. Yeah, and the fifth day would be the day you ovulate or day 14. Right. So when you send home a home ovulation kit, is that temperature? What are you testing? Testing the urine. Mm. For hormones. For the hormone LH. Yep, the LH hormone. And you said specifically fertility concerns and the way we define infertility changes as a woman gets older. Mm -hmm. Tell me about the over 35 woman and how that changes concerns that you have as a physician and concerns that a, a potential mother might have about going through a pregnancy. Sure. When you're older than 35, the eggs, kind of like we've been talking about, some of them just aren't as strong as they were before. So people are more likely to have miscarriages, unfortunately, when you're older than 35. Also more likely to have children with chromosomal abnormalities. So that could be Down syndrome or other chromosomal abnormalities. And then pregnancy is associated with some higher risks as well when you're older, but we can manage those you know, during pregnancy. We just usually have a, a closer follow-up, more ultrasounds, things like that to keep an eye on her. What are some of the options that you provide for women who are concerned about their fertility? Yep. So always a consultation is helpful where we go through the history, physical exam, and then usually check some lab work and an ultrasound. And then depending on your history, we can do some more invasive testing. There's something called a sonohistogram, which is where we, it's an ultrasound. We put fluid into the uterus and can see the uterine lining, see if there's any polyps, fibroids, things like that, that could be impacting fertility. And then we have that, the FemView or the HSG that we can look at those fallopian tubes as well. What's the importance of the fallopian tube being open? So the fallopian tubes need to be open in order for sperm to meet the egg. Right. And for that embryo to travel back down the fallopian tube into the uterus to implant. And how do you tell if that's open? Is it just a visual thing? Yeah. So when we do what's called the FemView in the office, we put little bubbles actually into the uterus. And if the fallopian tubes are open, we can see the bubbles go through and come out into the pelvis. It's, it's pretty cool. What kind of lifestyle changes can a person implement in their life to improve their odds of getting pregnant? Yep. So big things I would say is taking prenatal vitamins. A vitamin D supplement can help too. I mean, in Michigan, we don't get as much sun as we should, so that can be helpful. Mm -hmm. Other things are just, if you smoke, I would stop smoking cigarettes, no marijuana, no illegal drugs, um, and then limiting alcohol. So alcohol, when you're trying to get pregnant is okay, but definitely once you're pregnant, I would say no, no alcohol. I would imagine it's important for a person not to delay if they have concerns. I mean, having a consultation with your OBGYN is a great idea whether or not you have a history of infertility. There's hope for people who are struggling. Oh, absolutely. And I think a lot of the, you know, our first visit, our consultation, I think people get a lot of sense of calming and peace because it does, it can be stressful. It can be difficult when you're trying to get pregnant and you see your friends getting pregnant and so on. But it really, I think it can happen. We see it all the time. Um, I think important thing to note is that each menstrual cycle, even if you're doing everything perfect, there's only a 20% chance that you'll get pregnant that cycle. So I think a lot of people feel pressure to get pregnant kind of right away. Mm -hmm. And really it does take, it can take a few months. So, you know, after one month, you have 20% chance. After three months, you have a 50% chance. After six months, you have a 75% chance of getting pregnant. And after a year, you have an 85 to a 90% chance. So Those are pretty good numbers. Yeah. So I, I guess the, the advice is keep trying. Yep. Definitely. And, and come ask for help if you need it. That is Dr. Nicole Vandeveld. 
who sees patients at MidMichigan Obstetrics and Gynecology on Wackerly in Midland. As always, if you have health concerns, the best place to start is your primary care provider. For more information or to connect with an OBGYN, go to mymichigan.org doctors to find a provider who is accepting new patients. I'm Jerry O'Donnell. Thank you so much for listening. Check back again soon for another episode of Health Dose.